Hello friends, welcome to the 8th house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore, through the lens of the tarot, the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. As I write, um, are meant to sound kind of delirious, maybe hypnotic, uh, things like that to make someone check out from the physical space. Very cool. um, everyone has different, you know, spiritual perspectives, different, um, different ways they would feel when they do escape from this. Uh, so I don't necessarily have any, you know, doctrine, so to speak, or um, ideology I want to convert some people to, but rather just to switch off from that, mm. which I think you can find in a lot of different kinds of ambient music or really many different kinds of experiences. Um, even, for example, raves, when people do that, mm -hmm. they're, they're going somewhere else when they do that. And I feel very much artistically what I'm doing is in harmony with that. That's awesome. That makes me think of like a shamanic journey. Yes, I think that in a lot of ways, musicians and music listeners have lost touch with the power of music in the sense that, you know, like the shamans did or these community music activities did. It's in some ways become a lot more commercial or, you know, you talk to bands, they're, what they're talking about is more about the instruments they're playing or it's more about um, some material like the surface yeah yeah focus um as for things that inspired me um from a very young age i do feel very connected to nature nature seems to be the you know liminal point between reality mm -hmm. and non-reality or between chaos and order and i feel a lot of my music is inspired by nature um but also a lot of it is um based on some of the acoustic effects of these hypnotic states I mentioned. Maybe even if we are using acoustic instruments, like for example, violin, piano, cello, sometimes you can compose a delay effect by repeating things a certain way or maybe passing them to another instrument. I'm very interested in these kind of things. I'm also interested in more about the texture of the sound or putting together a kind of a mash or what you would call a soundscape of sound rather than here's a melody and here's the background. Mm -hmm. Kind of all yeah. the instruments become equal at that point. That's kind of where I'm inspired for writing this kind of music. Um, the, of course, there's also many bands, musicians or pre people that came before me as composers that I'm inspired by. It's kind of all of the above at the same time. And even I think some subconscious or our everyday experiences somehow find their way into our music, even mm -hmm. if we don't realize it. Yeah. Do you do, you do other types of art? I don't. Um, I do admire visual art a lot. I do, I like films, you know, everybody likes to watch these things, but I can't say that I do any of it. Um, I do collaborate with other artists. I, there is a 
guy I know in Prague, good friend of mine who does short films that I've sometimes inputted some music for I him. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So interdisciplinary stuff I'm very much interested in, but me personally, I cannot do it. I can only do music. Okay. Well, maybe I'm asking, let's say, um, so I don't, don't play music like you. Um, I can pick around on it. I have a really good ear and mm. can pick things out, but um, I have some, I have some strange, like this visual processing problems. And so I've never been able to learn an instrument by sight, by watching, by, you know, putting my hands like someone else or like positioning and stuff like that. Just such a struggle for me, but, and so maybe that's why I'm able to pick it out because my, my hearing is so attuned instead of my sight. I don't know, but the strange thing is whether it was doodling in art, in, uh, in lectures, um, like in class, high school and whatever, um, where I felt like what I was hearing would become expressed through what I was doodling. And so I could go back and look at it and hear it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So as I realized that's what I was doing in nature, when I'm taking nature pictures, I'm like, I'm hearing the swell of cicadas and I'm like, Whoa, and I'm like get the visual out that I'm here, here, that the audio is coming in and I'm putting out the visual. So people don't understand that because they're like, well, you're a photographer. What do you mean? You're not visual. And I'm like, it's really hard to explain. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I'm the synesthesiac or whatever, if that's how you explain it, but um, that's sort of my process. So I wondered if like, it was similar for you with your feeling being in nature and like the cacophony around you. Cause I have a hard time separating out sounds too. It's really um, interesting. Your relationship with sound. Yes. Um, any piece I write has a visual concept behind it. Usually not a, you know, regular, visual aspect like meeting someone at a bar but more bizarre images um, yeah like dreamlike it, almost yes uh, anything you know as we said outside of the mundane or somewhere in between for example the piece I just uh, put up most recently online uh, figures in the fog is like more abstract images of just landscapes that are obscured by fog maybe some hooded figures that are somewhere in the background, you know, that you're trying to reach. For me, I would say my relationship to sound is like the same as yours, but maybe but the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was getting the feeling. The yeah. Part. Yeah. That's really awesome. So you're seeing it, but you're playing it in yes. sound. That's wild. Yeah. For me, it helps that if I'm writing something, it's um, not so much just uh, kind of like we did in the old days with here's a riff. And Mm -hmm. let's see what builds from that. But rather, this is what I'm fundamentally trying to express. And here's how the sound will go with that. It's more of like about making music. And this is something that's only a little bit recent in the last, you know, few years, or maybe a dream where there's a repetition of a certain event in the music. How many times should I repeat it? Uh, I most recently, I heard my dream, heard it in my dream. It was like, oh, it needs to be six times. so I do find that pretty useful. Wow. It's hard to coordinate those things. Um, Are you like really um, 
I, I figured out recently that I, in my weird exploration of what kind of uh, learner I am, because I always used to think, oh, I'm just so auditory. And then I started realizing that it was more that I was rhythmic. Mm. Um, and I know that's not really a sense. I don't know if it's kinesthetic. Um, maybe it's kinesthetic because it's like movement, right? Um, so I don't know. I'm just wondering if you have, as a musician, is that part of your, like you're dreaming of, okay, six times, like, is that intellectual or is that part of your innate rhythmic subconscious or something? <laughs> That's a good point. I, I don't know. I, I felt it like it was an intuitive thing that that sounds right that many times. Um, if it's a rhythmic thing, I really don't know. Um, I'm still not at the level where I can really control my dreams so much or that I can um, have a strong musical sense or a strong um, sense of being coherent in my dreams. Mm -hmm. um, Isn't that funny it, though? Cause sometimes yeah. don't, you wake, you, you're in your dream and it's like, it totally makes sense. I'm always getting these like, <laughs> oh yeah. Like, oh, I'll do it this way. And like, I have this great idea. And then I wake up, I'm like, that, what? Like, it just doesn't translate to the normal world. <laughs> I have some, a lot of inspiration from different atmospheric type of music. Um, so I usually will try to bring those qualities into whatever I'm expressing or writing in order to try to get someone's thoughts to maybe shut off or free themselves from it in some way. Because as you said, I mean, it can just be maddening to be too yeah. chained to our thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I, I like how this goes back to what you said about what you thought <laughs> that music therapy could be. And yeah. uh, I can say my own experiences if I was hurt or going through something, music is definitely something that can help. So what do you do? Like that? Do you do anything that bridges what you thought music therapy was? with what you just said like like how do you do you think of it as a way perhaps when you're composing when you're creating do you have in mind like the effect on the psychology um do you intentionally do that or i think so the music cognition is a study which i've never looked into and i've never learned anything about it for me i do treat the music as not something to evoke a feeling to make people reflect on things in life, but rather something to escape from yeah. the everyday yeah. life. Uh, instead of viewing it as an experience where here's some music and you listen, I'd rather be an experience that takes someone somewhere else besides the normal everyday life. Mundane. Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mundane, yes. So do you have anything like coursework or um, that really inspired you or stuff that you bring in from that informs what you do? Like what kind of, I don't know anything about what music school is like, like yeah. what are, what is it like? Well, it's different depending on where you go. Um, in New York, I went to a 
fairly traditional music conservatory. It's a little mm. bit um, with the same structure as places like Juilliard or others, which is more of a traditional music education, which is, you know, um, let's study how Bach wrote or how these famous composers wrote. And maybe as an assignment, you do the same thing in the same style. Yeah. <clears throat> but as a composition major, you have a teacher that is assigned to you one-on-one -on -one who you would mostly see every week who will criticize what you're doing and give you some advice on how you can do it better. And that, that is pretty much universal anywhere. Now I'm at a university. And so it's a little bit more academic than where I was rather than more of, um, you could say like an approach that is kind of like a museum. I've heard some people say that the music conservatories are essentially like a museum. At the university, they are looking at things that are a little bit more relevant to our time in some mm -hmm. ways, like, uh, for example- Like contextual, like holistic, everything around how it all works together. Maybe. Yeah, you could say that. And in my doctorate, it's uh, my major is still music composition. So essentially what I'm doing is just writing music, which is great. Just uh, filling a portfolio of different works that I've completed. I do have to take some coursework, but I have a lot of choices in what I can take. So I'm trying to learn more about electronic music, which I never really learned much about. Um, and other than that, just uh, teaching at the school. When you're doing your doctorate, they encourage you to work as yeah. a teacher there. So the class I've taught this last uh, year was intro to composition, which is, you know, younger people like around 18 to 20 years old that are just starting to study composition. Um, so mainly those three things. I can't complain, though, that the focus is really just to write music. Yeah. Um, and as what music therapy could be, I feel like maybe, maybe it is in some place or somebody's doing something like that. And we're really, um, making them angry saying that it's not that, but, um, I, I do think that if someone can really master this, where they can really, uh, change someone's psychology or thoughts through music, it's successful, but in a way, a lot of great artists have done that already. So far, I, the way I teach depends on the context, if it's a group class or if it's one-on-one. -on -one. I think when it's one-on-one, -on -one, you have a chance to really personalize everything. And it really is totally different with every person. Um, when I'm teaching someone composition, I will usually look for a few things. and um, But the main thing is to motivate them to have their own voice or their own unique way of approaching this or their unique music style. I think that's the most important thing in our time for sure. And my teachers did the same thing for me. It's also to address some practicalities. The interesting thing about composition is you're writing for instruments that you don't play often. Mm, for example, yeah. even if you think about, you know, Star Wars and the orchestra there, this guy does not play every instrument in the orchestra, but he understands how. I think electronic music could help with that. Like, cause at least oh, you yeah. can like hear what that would sound like. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so a lot of it's that too, is just uh, addressing, you know, what the instrument can do or how it will actually sound if you write it this way. Um, 
the other aspect, and it's a small thing, some people consider it more important, but it's how neat the sheet music looks. Huh, the okay. sheet music in some way from a composer is like, you know, you write a book and depends on how you want it to look. Uh, maybe you have a certain font that you like. There is, in the past, the sheet music scores, we call them, sometimes just looked like works of art, just like hmm. all these colors and lines. And Wow, I had never thought about that. Yeah, and it's not necessarily that we, we will go back to that, but I at least try and tell them the same thing that my previous teachers told me is, you know, uh, experiment with different kinds of fonts and uh, interesting ways that you want the sheet music to look uh, so that when someone looks at it, they know that that's wow, you. neat. So originality is a big thing. Yeah. And as so, for things I can and couldn't do, um, the University of Toronto uh, has been known by others, uh, it's not my words, but to be a little bit more conservative with some of their composition uh, output. So mm -hmm. what I tried to do with my course is to teach them a little bit more contemporary things and just to get them a sense of many different kinds of art that's out there rather than the um, traditional kinds that we all must know and that they're looking at in their regular courses anyways. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you offer something different, different perspective. That's the goal. Great. Um, because it's kind of an old saying, but teaching does serve as a learning experience as well. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. What you're it teaching, really does. Oh, I should probably do that too more often. You know, uh, it kind of sets good examples for yourself and makes you realize some things. Um, I, I do learn things from my students as well. Um, it doesn't just go the other way around. I'm happy with it. And um, compared to other things I've done, I, I really couldn't see myself doing anything else. And um, I'm very happy with this as opposed to living a freelance form of life, even though um, you could say that that's the total freedom is just only writing right. and or only performing and but I, I'm happy with it. I think that it has its benefits. And I always feel like when you find these things, um, it's almost like you're meant to find them. I don't think many people yeah. are forced to do this. or. Um, and usually it's been with you for a very long time, like since you can remember. You seem like you're someone who's had like a lifetime of being in touch with your intuition, spirituality. Do you think that's part of what you integrate into your composition? I remember even as a kid, just like, you know, laying down, looking at the sky, going into sort of like meditative states. But I feel like it's like anything, it's something that needs to grow and be fed and to, you know, yeah. continue to work it or else um, I think probably some people can lose that and they might lose it when they maybe go into certain belief systems or they try to just... Yeah, to try to conform almost like that's yeah. what happens when we grow up, you know. Yeah, a lot of people that's grow so out of insane. out of it. Yeah, um, I imagine it is something that a lot of people grow out of. I, I do feel that, but I I still feel that I am a student. You could say that I, I you're growing into learn. it. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah I, I do think that it is very much spiritual, but in some ways, it's also creating some in between. 
And I think to do so, something has to be broken down. Um, forms themselves, I think, have to become a little bit more obscure. And, and this is just speaking from my perspective. Um, I like things to be more blurry in this trance-like music I'm making. So for example, you might have um, a series of notes that one instrument is playing and you could have another instrument playing it just slightly after or slightly before, or maybe with a yeah. slight difference. So they're sort of interlacing each other. And when you do that, it's almost like a you know, straight image like we have of both of our faces right now. Uh, Becomes it makes me think of your really, dominant eye. I was just doing that. I was like, when, with, and then, wait, how do you do it? You point at something with both eyes open. And then when you close one eye, it's going to be way off kilter of where you thought it was. So that tells you what your dominant eye was pointing to. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the way you see things can totally change everything. So I, I feel that blurring things or sort of um, creating a distortion of time can open these doorways is how I, mm. I feel in terms of sound that's awesome 